Hello everyone and welcome back to another video podcast of the whole 115 yards. It's been a while since we've done this, Lindsay, hasn't it? It has indeed. Oh, and so much has happened. Uh, we're really, really happy to be joined tonight by the lovely Peter. How are you doing this evening? I'm okay, yeah. It's um, We were just talking then about it's uh, gone, a bit, gone a bit chilly now, hasn't it? So um, <laughs> I'm glad to be in, indoors on a, on a cold Friday night. Because uh, we were just saying, um, I've just come in from football as well, hence the um, the lateness of uh, tonight that we're recording it. And yeah, it's absolutely Baltic. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get the heating on and we'll, we'll, we'll have a good chat and a good laugh. So Peter, for those of you, um, for people watching who kind of don't know, I know you've got in your little title there, Women Official Supporters Club Sec. Kind of what, so what does that involve? What does that entail? Yeah, so I'm, I'm the secretary of the Avent Women Official Supporters Club. Um, so I obviously help to help to run our supporters club, help 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 out with a number of different things, um, including obviously our singing section, which I'm sure um, the Aston Villa fans will get to <laughs> get to appreciate on at the weekend. Um, yeah, and we do all kinds of all kinds of different things, all basically aimed at trying to improve the atmosphere at Walton Hall Park in particular. And trying to support the team. I also I host a podcast on the Blue Room, which is one of the most listened to Everton uh, podcasts around. So certainly on Spotify, we always come up on number one on there and Apple Music and things. So um, thankfully, I've been giving my own show on that to, to talk specifically about about the Everton women's side, which is great. So we're getting, you know, trying our best to get as much exposure as possible. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. We're definitely gonna have to check that out. Um, and yeah, one of uh, my questions is going to be about Walton Hall Park because um, I haven't managed to get up there yet. Uh, Lindsay, have you been for? No, I haven't. I haven't been. Wow, I'm such a brummy. I haven't been north of uh, Birmingham very often. Uh, if I do, it's been to Manchester, so the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, so not not as far. Um, because we were going to say, how have you? seen it change since since the euros in particular and then the world cup have you seen that a massive increase in attendances i think so yeah because i mean part of the issue that we had with what low park in particular was we when we first moved there from southport we only actually had one game there before lockdown hit so and then obviously it was lockdown and and, and so it, there was a bit of a, a false start if you like when we moved there so it took a while for us to actually start really building up the attendances and get and get the atmosphere going but we've we've really sort of we, we definitely have seen the improvement certainly over the last couple of seasons uh the atmosphere is getting there the atmosphere is incredible now we've got we've got a full songbook full of full of songs for each player um at the minimum two for each player someone who have got as many as five um and yeah it's great to see there's a there's a, a huge following now we were there every week and and really getting behind the team um i think the other thing that was important as well was to have dedicated supporters not necessarily just people who wanted to go for the day and as much as you, you do want to encourage that you want to you know when families want to bring the kids and things like that you do want to encourage that because at the end of the day they're the future of the sport um we also want to make sure that we have like a core of support who are there for the right reasons there to support the team there to to back the team and and stick with them through thick and thin so it's um it's certainly you know we we are we are seeing a great improvement and like you say after the euros in particular we saw a um you know a big boost and after the world cup as well that's fantastic because i think um leah williamson said said something didn't she about you know i don't just come out of like a dark room and play for england like i'm down at arsenal like come and watch us play like come in you know we're right there we're down the road um and we're actually talking Lindsay, weren't we before about how when villa play at villa park it's a great occasion and it's much easier to get to and it's a day out for the family but sometimes there's that lack of atmosphere because maybe if people haven't arranged where a particular singing section is or things like that it can sometimes feel a bit 
feel a bit flat. Um, and you kind of, like you said, you want to support the players and you want to get that singing section started. So um, have you felt that? Have you Do you get to play men, many matches at the men's ground? We've, we've, we only played one there last season. We played the derby um, against Liverpool there and I believe we'll probably do the same again this season. Um, but yeah, that sort of... We've had the same sort of experience. Uh, we find that Walton Hall Park is very sort of intimate and very, you know, you're on top of the pitch almost. It's um, it, it's yeah. a very small ground. We've only actually got one complete stand and then the rest is sort of standing. But what it does give is a really good atmosphere. Um, as I say, it's very tight to the pitch. The, the, the crowd are, are, are always in good voice. But sometimes when you go to the bigger stadiums, I mean, against Liverpool, we had over 20,000 there. But even then there was... It wasn't it, it wasn't as constant as it is at Walton Hall Park. We don't really tend to stop singing when we're in Walton Hall Park. Um yeah. and we do that when we go you know, when we play Goodison, we'll do the same thing, but it's it's a lot harder to fill to fill the ground with the noise than it is uh, when we're at Walton Hall Park. But I mean I've been to I've been to Villas, you know, to Walsall before and and I'm you know I've really enjoyed it again. I, I like that. That was a stadium, just to sort of go slightly off topic. Um like that stadium is the stadium that we always go past when you go to any away trip. And it's all like coming from Liverpool, you always go past that stadium. And it was always the stadium because I go home and away with the men as well. So I so I sort of I, I follow both teams. And yeah. um and that was always the stadium that everyone says no one's ever been to there. No one had ever been there. So when I finally got to go, I was absolutely yeah. made up because I finally got to go to the stadium that I'd been driving past for like 20 years. So, yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of that place. But, yeah, Villa Park again, um, another stadium, which is what is up there with my favourites, I think. Yeah, it's got a good one. Uh, Lindsay, because you've been going for years, haven't you, to Villa Park and to, to Bescott. What, what do you think about the atmosphere? I think, um, for me, uh, Bescott has got the better atmosphere. The girls always say... Um, it's more intimate with the fans when they're playing, they can hear the chants. And when, um, I mean, we've been at a game and they've, they've been making chants, like shouting things out to players, like saying, Maz, um, don't don't give her the ball, don't give her the ball when it's it's uh, played out because of an injured player and stuff like that. And you can see the players laughing and enjoying and engaging and they just enjoy that intimacy. Whereas at Villa Park, it's more like a, a prim and proper type thing. But... What they've done is they've put us all in one stand. And because they put us all in one stand, it doesn't get the atmosphere that you get. Like when you see the Arsenal games that have been this season so far, where they've put them all the way around the lower stands and they're already around, all the way around the pitch, and then you can really get that atmosphere. And I think that's what's missing at Villa Park. It's it's great. It's, it's really accessible. It's great for families. There's loads they can do, entertainment, engagement, outreach. You know, it's fantastic for that. But... Best Scott has got the better atmosphere. Yeah, because I was there for uh, the midweek game, front of cup match, and uh, just as soon as you walk in and you're right on the pitch, like you said, you feel like you're right on top of the players. And you're like, oh, I've missed this because <laughs> it is it's so intimate. Um, and yeah, I think Lindsay, when you were last at Best Scott against Chelsea, weren't they, they were like um, Alicia, Mark, Neve, you know what are you doing? Get on her, um, and and you can have that kind of um, intimate banter, can't you? Um, yeah, and then. You thumbs up <laughs> from the players like yeah we've heard we were there <laughs> we did. I think as the the kind of the core group starts to grow as well so you get the regular singers the regular fans and you get people go actually I, I want to be part of this family because um do you feel that as well at Everton that it's it's a very family you feel like it connecting with a lot of people a lot more 
it's kind of absolutely a absolutely yeah. and we've we've seen that like i say in terms of the growth of of our support in particular we've seen a lot of people now who come and sort of seek us out and come and sit by us and you know like little kids as well who, who come over and get us to start chance for their, for their favorite players and things like that it is a really sort of really lovely atmosphere um you know certainly i haven't been to so many grounds throughout my life where i've been to uh to a number of different grounds and a number of, number of different atmospheres um what well, park is up there with one of the friendliest i think uh we do have a lot of banter with the away away followers as well but it's never it never crosses the line do you know what i mean we we don't we yeah. don't like to because we are we are conscious that the that the atmosphere is just different as much as you want to have that passion and you want to have you know that you want to back your team from the first minute till the last i think that you there's a certain line that you should that shouldn't be crossed um i think that that's a certain line which has been crossed far too much when it comes to the men's game and it's something that i believe shouldn't be lost uh when we're when we're going to watch that you know wsl games because i think like you say we want to we want to encourage young families to go we want to encourage the next generation and we want these kids to see their heroes and be inspired and we don't want them going home being inspired the wrong way with some bad language and things to take home with them. Do you know what I mean? It's um, I, th I think we were all very conscious of that, and we want to make sure that it is welcoming. Um, and again, you know, it's it's just great to see. Uh, you know, in terms of away following as well, we've seen a, a massive increase in away following. Some of the teams in particular might be a bit more boisterous than others, if that's fair <laughs> to say. Um, and uh, but we appreciate it. We like it. We like we like having the battles with them. We like having the little yeah. to and fro. We like hearing their chants. We like it. Well, we don't like it so much when they nick ours, but um, <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's great. I I, I think it's growing all the time, and it, and I think it's uh, yeah, it's credit to a lot of people who've put a lot of hard work in over the years as well. And that's the thing, kind of with football clubs, they 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 need the fans, don't they? And they realise actually, especially we've been going through a tough time the start of the season, um, and lots of questions were put out about. Should Carla stay? Should she go? And we were like, at the end of the day, the fans have got to be there to support. Yes, we'll be fair. Yes, we'll have our opinions and things like that. But at the end of the day, they're, they're our club, and we're gonna we're gonna support and we're gonna want to be there. Um, and it's all come out good in the end. Currently on a winning streak, but we'll talk about that <laughs> in a bit. Somerton's been in charge. This is second season in charge. Yeah. yeah. Um, how? Do you think Everton have performed over the last couple of seasons? Are they where they should be, where you want them to be? How are you feeling about where you are right now? Well, I, th I think, first of all, when he came in, uh, we were in a bit of a mess, to be honest with you, because the previous season we'd actually gone through three different managers. Um, Willie Kirk had been had been sacked very early on in the season after a couple of really bad results, having spent a lot of money. Um, we had a lot of upheaval in the boardroom area um, with with someone, you know, people leaving. Um, Jean-Luc Fassot came in, only lasted a handful of games um, until he was shown the door. Unceremoniously, it must be added. Um, and then Chris Roberts, our assistant, who's still assistant now, um, it took over and saw us out till the end of the season and managed to keep, you know, to to sort of galvanise the team together and, and start grinding out some results. So when Brian Sorensen came in, it was a huge job for him to come into in terms of just steadying the ship for one. He, he needed to get confidence back in the players. He needed to bring his own his own players in. He needed to refresh the squad a little bit. Um and and obviously he wanted to implement a, a, a complete change in the style of football that we were playing. Um Brian likes to play a lot of possession-based football. I think it's something that short term we've got to be very patient with it. If if he if he's talking long term, his his vision for it is is that eventually we won't make the mistakes that we're making. But I feel that at, at the moment we seem to be getting punished quite a lot 
for that style of football. Um, there are occasions where we seem so intense on keeping possession of a football that we actually forget that the overall job is to score goals at the end of it. Um, and occasionally we have been we've been um, we've been punished for that. In, in really dangerous positions. So I'm sure that's something he wants to work on and something that he will be wanting to improve. Uh, but overall, I think I think he's done an admirable job under really difficult circumstances. I think everyone knows about the noise around Everton Football Club as a whole uh, over the last couple of seasons. It's been a really difficult uh, time for, you know, for everyone at the club. Um, not helped them, I'm sure, by lack of funding, uh, which, which is a massive shame. So I think... You know, going back to what you said about support as well, I think one thing we've got to really bear in mind with Brian Sorensen is this, that this is a hopefully a long-term project of his. Um, and obviously, results haven't gone our way at the start of the season, but I've got to keep faith with him that, that we'll turn a corner and the results will come. Yeah, no, really well said though, yeah, because you, you can't be a fair weather fan, can you? You can't just show up when, when, when they're winning and doing well. Like, if they're your club, you go week in, week out, you stand in the rain, you get a bit miserable, but you do it all again <laughs> the next week. And um, Lindsay... sorry to interrupt, but sometimes as well, I get this with you know, you get certain you know, fan groups or fans of certain clubs who, who tend to look down at, at teams who aren't necessarily in that top two or three, um, or four even. And I always look at them and think, do you know what? It's easy to support your clubs when you're winning every week, you know. And and it's it's when you it's when you know the going gets tough and when when teams don't have good starts, like Aston Villa, you know, massive hopes for this season. I'm, you know, it's, now you've you seem to have turned the corner. Well, the fans who've stuck with the Villa players from the start of the season, they're the ones that the players are going to remember at the end of the season. They're the ones who 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 are going to who are going to get them through any rut. And and I think that's uh, that's what we've got to do as Evertonians. Um, and we've got to. It's not it's not accepting defeat. I'll, one thing I'll never do is accept accept a player giving up. Um, but if if a player gives it all for me and for my badge, I'll back them all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you want that fire, don't you, and that passion. Yeah. And we we said, Lindsay, didn't we? The the difference in the first couple of games was as soon as the opposition scored, kind of heads went down, and it was you know game over essentially. But then the last couple of games, uh, we said, didn't we? That kind of even if we conceded, it was like, right, they're not going to get the better of us now. Um, Lindsay, what do you think that change was? Do you think it was kind of that um, influence from the fans and that confidence? Yeah, I think um, some of it would be Carla Ward's motivation because there was that um, half-time where she marched everybody, literally the subs, the staff, yeah. everybody into the dressing room. And I can't imagine her giving them a dressing down in a nasty way because she just doesn't seem the type to be an Emma Hayes and go go uh, crazy at them and and, and t- give her a piece give a piece of her mind um but i'm sure she did it in her special way which will have them all not taking it to heart but being inspired to go out there and play and i think the support of the fans if, if i put myself in an outsider's shoes the support of the fans this season with the run that we had at the beginning of the season the fact that we've all come out in support of Carla Ward we've been getting uh, hashtags to trend like in Carla we trust, uh, Carla Wars, Claret and Blue Army, all that kind of thing. And I think that for her and, and for the team makes them think, you know, all these people are backing us and believing in us. So we've got to go out there and repay that that trust. And I think it is a good motivation that even when, you know, things aren't great, we're still cheering them on. We're still singing the player chants and all that kind of thing. Well, I'm not because my voice has gone by that point, but everybody else is. Um, and we're all cheering them on. And I think that's just 
so good for them and and their their mental health and also the contact that they're having on social media you know aside from the usual trolls that they've got not fair weather support but supporters in 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 the bad times and the good times i forgot to mute myself there yeah no absolutely and it's and it's having that voice because we've said before kind of social media can be a, fun, a phenomenal place it can also be a very toxic place so you need to just be respectful but still if you've got an opinion say it fine um but it's it's how you do it and it's your word and isn't it and kind of being supportive and truthful um and kind of, i don't know Lindsay, what's what 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 do we try and do try and be it's, it's, it's sugar coat the constructive criticism really isn't it to, so that they they, like leave, that they leave the room shaking your hands but actually you just torn them a new one that kind of <laughs> that's, that's the best way of putting it but i know that carla ward has probably perfected that um because she's just so nice isn't she like you can't not like carla yeah the carla magic and <laughs> um, so we've touched briefly there about kind of the start of the season and kind of um there's not much between villa and everton i think it's one point um so really coming up to this weekend is going to be a massive massive game um so how are you feeling peter about going into it um kind of initial thoughts about how it's gonna how it's gonna pan out well, I think first of all, I think the players have got to get over the disappointment of of last weekend very quickly. Um, you know, we mm. I think when we had this run of form, and we were, we've kind of been losing every week. We managed to get a good draw away at Tottenham, um, but other than that, we've been losing game after game uh, since the derby victory. So mm. I think that you know, going in, with all due respect to Bristol, I think last weekend's game at home to Bristol would have been one that we had our eyes on as potentially one to get three points out of, and yeah. to be lead twice in the game uh, and to be pegged back twice. And certainly in the manner of which we gave the goals away, I think that the team will be massively disappointed and I think the team will be raring to go. I think they'll they'll have been looking forward to, to getting back out on the pitch because that's the only place you can you can ever answer your critics. That's the only place you can put things right is to get out there and and give it all again. Um and I'm sure the players will be ready for that. It's it's, it's been a it's been a difficult start to the season. You know, we lost a, a number of really experienced and really uh, important players in the summer. Um Certainly, you know, with Gabby George going so late in the window, I think that really affected us as well. We weren't able to replace her. And the two players who you would play in that position, Sarah Holmgaard and Elise Stenovic, have been injured for a lot of this season. Sarah's thankfully back on the pitch now um, and played about an hour last week. So we're hoping to get her fully fit. Um, but certainly, I mean, without making excuses, you know, I, I do feel that once we get a, a fully fit squad back and a fully fit team back, I think that that's when you'll see the real Everton. Um, I think that that's when we'll start really sort of picking up picking up results and picking up points. Um, I just hope it doesn't take too long, to be honest with you, because, you know, I know that the league's so tight, it only takes a couple of wins and you, you start flying up that league, as, as Villa, I'm sure, will prove. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's a case... You know, when you're not when you're not winning the home games that you believe you should be, that's when you start getting a little bit worried. But having said that, I've got I've got every faith in in this this group of players. I'm I'm sure we'll we'll be okay. Um, you know, come the end of the season, uh, it's also a big blow as well. I'm sure you're going to talk about it in you know, in particular, Martina Piemonte, who started the season, um, sort of a bit of a stop start season with it with her injury that she picked up in the second game against mm -hmm. Leicester. Um, she managed to get her first goal last weekend. Fantastic goal as well. Played really yeah. well. And, now we found out she's suspended for three games. So that kind of sums up our season, to be honest with you. 
That's it. Let's talk about it now because you were, yeah. Um, so um, people who've been listening to our podcast for a while will know um, I've been raving on about uh, Martina Piemonte. Um, watched her at Milan last season, um, thought she was fantastic. Like, right, we need her in the WSL. And then when I knew a contract was coming up and there weren't any announcements that she'd re-signed, I was like, okay, could this be, you know, a turning point? And I'd actually put on our socials, didn't I, Lindsay? Um, would love to see her in the WSL. Um, tagged she her likes in. it, didn't she? She, she liked, liked it, it like, very oh, quickly. And she liked it. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, okay, that could be that could be something. Um, and then it was announced, Everton. I was like, yes, she's going to be in. She's going to um, she's going to be brilliant. Yeah, you're right. She kind of had that injury, and then she was out for a bit, and then she was so close to getting getting her name on the score sheet quite a few times, hasn't she? And it's kind of she's one of those players where. As soon as she gets started, I think she's gonna she's gonna be on one, and she's just gonna smash the rest of the season. So, so she picked up a yellow in the game. For it was a they were going for the header, weren't they? And just kind of came together, and I think she might have got a little elbow in or something. But it was it was soft, wasn't it? Like I I don't think that should have been a yellow. No, no, no not at all. No um, not not yeah. not considering it was a very physical game. It always is with with Martina. She's very she is a very physical player and. And yeah, to be fair, but the centre halves give it give it as good as, as they get. You know what I mean? It's um, I, I don't think she gets enough protection myself. But at the same time, I don't really. There's nothing wrong with a bit of physical contact between a centre forward and a centre half. Uh, but I don't. I couldn't understand the booking at all. No, because that ref, I've watched him um quite a few times. We've said before, haven't we, Lindsay? Like he's quite like let it go, kind of let the game mm-hmm. flow. So he, yeah, he's not really like a cardi ref. Um, yeah. That's a technical term for it. Um, and then suddenly that was a yellow. And I was like, so you think sometimes, don't you? Maybe it's more the reaction of the other player that makes it seem a bit worse than it actually is because she went, she like clattered down, didn't she? Like holding onto her shoulder, I think. Um, and I was a bit like, oh, well, that didn't look like there's much in it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was a strange one anyway. And then obviously went off at 80 minutes, I think. Um, and then today when the news came out, because um, I think it was um, Emma Sanders, I follow her. And um, I was like, she's been suspended. And I was like, I'm going to have to watch this game again. So I'll watch from the yellow onwards because I thought, oh, maybe she's done something else to get like a second yellow or a red. Um, but did you see it the first time through when you were watching it? No, but I have actually, someone's actually posted the clip on in re, in reply to the Everton, at Everton Women uh, Twitter page. So one of our mm. one of our members actually managed to find what it is we think that they're referring to. And it, I found. it is our... It's bizarre. It's have you have you have you seen? Is it the same thing I'm thinking of? Where they sort of come together hair in the cigar box? Oh, is it hair pull? Is that what happens? Yeah. So um, right. so I had to watch it. So I had like my Hawkeye glasses on, um, and I sent it to you, didn't I, Lindsay? And I was like, right, yeah. I think this is it. Cause it's the only thing again I could find because everyone was going. There's no information. It's just a off the ball moment. Yeah. There's they haven't released anything. So I was watching it, and of course the camera quality was. Abysmal. <laughs> um, that poor man kept having to wipe the screen every five minutes. But that's a different conversation. And yeah, you just kind of see them. They're having a bit of a, a push and a shove, as you'd expect. And then suddenly you just see kind of... She gets a bit, folded bit, like a piece of paper, doesn't she? She just goes straight to ground. And yeah. again, yeah. And it doesn't help that Martina is so physical that probably she's done like a bit of a tug. But to, to the other uh, player, I can't remember who it was, my apologies. But yeah, she just completely goes down. But then even on the commentary, it was, oh, uh, player has stopped. Players aren't sure why. Um, and yeah, every, 
everyone completely missed it. So the yeah. fact that the club were like, oh, we're not going to appeal it, everyone was like, well, if it's that obvious, what did we all miss? Like, well, um, that's a bit that gets me, because like you say, I mean, when I when I look back at it, obviously we were in the ground, so we, we didn't quite realise that the camera was in such a bad way with the guy having to wipe it all the time. But yeah. having looked back at it, I mean, how can you, how can you definitively... I mean, I've watched it back. I'll have to watch it back again now because I didn't realise it was a hair pull. I just saw the sword them coming together and then and then the defenders sort of go down. But I, I didn't quite understand where the contact was, but a hair pull kind of makes sense now. But I just don't... I wouldn't say it's conclusive, like, in terms of, like, really violent conduct for a three-match ban, but I don't know. If she has pulled her hair and then, then you know, that's, that's, that is obviously it. You know, she shouldn't be doing that at all. I think she's actually come out on, a, on her own Instagram and, and, and pretty much said the same. She's She's held her hands up and said that, you know, She's passionate and and she wants to fight yeah. for the club, um, and she apologised to Evertonians. And, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, yeah, we're kind of used to it at Everton now. To be honest with you, of, 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 being, of getting weird punishment. So it's just another day. It's a bit well, like Kirsty Hansen, though, isn't it? If you think about it, the Kirsty Hansen, yeah. which was a yellow, not a red, and then when it was appealed, they said no, it's three matches. Yet two other mm. players for other teams got red cards and they got one match banned and it was just not proportional so I think I don't want to sound um conspiracy theorist but it does seem like it depends on which team you play for as to how long the bands go on for it's such a shame that that's come from the men's game to the women's game um it might just be that the refs are you've got to give out so many cards and it's the look of the draw but so it just seems um I was watching uh Rachel Little John and uh, Lucy Quinn's uh, podcast, not with ninety minutes earlier, and they were saying that start of the season there's a lot of cars flying out left, right, and centre, and now there's a lot of yellow cars flying out left, right, and centre, and they're not even relevant to what's actually going on. So there must be something going on at the FA and um, with the refing community that is making these decisions happen because some of them just. Absolutely absurd. Agreed, yeah, 100%. and especially going back after the fact and going, oh, actually, um, that's now a three-match ban. Mm. It just, yeah. that's a bit, it, it's, it's a fact that I just don't see how conclusive it is to actually to, to jump to a three-match ban unless there's another. We only have one camera at Walton Park, and it's that one covered in rain. So unless <laughs> yes. I've missed something yeah. where someone's got a phone in their hand or something, and it's clear. But even even so, I just I don't know. I think it's a, it's a strange one for me. It is. Cool. I'm trying to get... So I, I actually I managed to get the clip and I had to play it back. And it literally... There's... I mean, probably can't see this, but I mean, the grainiest imagery ever through the rain. It's kind <laughs> of a, like, that's it? Yeah. That's how bad the picture is of the actual yeah. thing. Um, and I think the only reason it was kind of a hair pull was... That interaction happened, but then as the camera panned to the defender talking to the ref, she was like, she got my hair. So there was it was that actual, this is what she's done. It's her. She was proper pointing like it was her. Um, and then Martina's obviously standing there going, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> didn't touch her. It's fine. Um, but yeah, but like you said, she's, she's passionate and she's she's got that fire. And it seems like she's really taken on the Everton persona really, really quickly. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to fight for you. Like, this is this so is hungry, my... isn't she? Yeah, hungry for that goal. Um, and also now being called up again for the uh, Italian squad now that she's not injured. So 
fingers crossed um, she can get strike and form again. Because one of my questions was going to be, now that she's found her striking form, um, how much of a threat do you think she's going to be on Sunday? Um, so without Martina, who have Villa kind of got to look out for? Well, I think Katja Snoice is probably uh, due another goal. Uh, Katja Snoice, who, again, another player who's out injured at the start of the season. She picked up a hand injury just before the start of the season, away on international duty. Um, Katja, I, I think, is probably our biggest threat, just because... She she can be quiet for eighty nine minutes, but then she'll come out. She'll she'll just te- you know come out with a goal. She's one of those sorts of sorts of players where even if she's not having her best game um, in terms of you know on the ball, she'll always be a threat. She she's so busy um, in behind the back four. Um, her movement's fantastic. Uh, she she likes to come deep sometimes and play it off, um, and she can finish. So I think Ashley Snow is the one for me who. Um, who will be one of the biggest threats for us. Nico Sorensen has just announced their retirement as well, which is a massive shock for us. Um, I would have said Nico. I, I, I mean, I think she will still play. I think she'll still play till January. Um, and I think she'll be wanting to give it all as well, which she always has. She, I mean, you, you know, in terms of how she plays and how she performs, you would you would never think it was someone who, who'd lost their love of football because she, she plays um, to a, to a hundred percent every time she, she gets on the pitch and every time she represents us. So um, she'll certainly be getting our backing from now till, till uh, January when she, when she unfortunately retires. So, uh, you know, Nico's another one. I think Aurora Garley, it was in the um, the press today that Aurora Garley's a doubt as well, which oh, is a big blow for us, um, potentially a big boost for uh, for Villa, uh, to be honest with you, because I know that Yaya scored a, uh, a winner as well. I, I scored a winner against Villa away before, um, which was uh, before this season, her first goal, for, you know, her only goal for Everton before she scored a penalty against Spurs. So um, she'll be a big loss for us. But yeah, we've got, we've, we've got, We've got plenty of uh, of talent in that in that squad. Um, I think Alyssa Rahern hasn't really had a chance yet. She's on loan from Manchester United. Good, good um, attacking player, um, but again, young. Uh, it's she's not quite at the same level that Jess Park was when she came on loan to us last season. Uh, but I think I think Alyssa at some point will will come in and, and do a great job for us. Um, Emma Bissell as well, another player. I think I think Emma Bissell offers us pace, offers us direct running. Um, and she's got a she's got a hell of a shot on us. So we 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 do have options, you know. Um, but for me, um, one of the players that I'm looking forward to seeing and and to, to saying hello to again is Simone McGill for, for Aston Villa. Because uh, yes. you know, you know you, I had to speak about Simone really quickly because when you were talking about Martina Piemonte and about how how she has that fight in that battle, although mm-hmm. Simone doesn't have the physical size of Martina Piemonte, Simone has all those attributes in abundance. Um, and she's a player who. We absolutely adore Evan. Absolutely adore her. She's she's a she she literally, you know, epitomised everything you want to see in an Evan player. While she was with us, she she has that grit and determination and that fight and desire. Um, and she's a menace for absolutely anyone she comes up against. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll have to keep an eye out for Simone on on some on Sunday if she plays. Yeah, she's brilliant because um, again, she felt like a new signing, didn't she, last season, Lindsay? Because she was out with injury, didn't actually play until the very end of the season. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, last two games she got some minutes in, but not a lot. And then she went away with Northern Ireland and then came back with a knock. And then finally is now getting back in the swing of it, getting some minutes again. And in the, again, Conta Cup match midweek, as soon as her, Rich, Kirsty, and Kenza came on, it was just magic. And I was like, oh, 
Villa's back. Because <laughs> like you said, <laughs> injuries, um, you know, Villa have been absolutely plagued, haven't we, Lindsay, with uh, injuries. Um, and we got down to, you know, the one, two subs in the kit, man, I think, at the end <laughs> yeah. uh, last season. It was pretty bad last season. Um, but we know that Carla Ward likes uh, a small uh, squad, which might be better for her for bonding and she can get to know the players better. But it's an absolute crucifix for us because we don't have enough players when we get injuries. And, and when we have players out, we just don't have the depth, which when you look at the, the bigger, well, I, I say bigger teams, the teams that are higher up the league that have got, international after international that they can bring on and we're looking at it and we're bringing out one of the under 18s which is no disrespect to them but we should be if we're pushing for higher up the league we should be having a bit better coming off the bench but I'm grateful to be able to see the youngsters coming through so and getting the opportunity to see who we can keep and who we can loan out who we can develop who we can get money for and and build the squad so it's kind of a, a double-edged sword really yeah, and Lindsay, while you're on, what are our threats going to be on Sunday? So, um, if we start with Simone, Simone's um, in the press conference today, um, or yesterday, uh, they said that she's working towards getting more minutes, but she's not fully 90 minute fit yet. Um, so, she's going to be a threat. Uh, uh, Dre has been a massive threat in the last few games. She's been on fire, she's had a point to prove in the last games. And I think she's going to be such a physical challenge for Everton to deal with because she's got pace, she's got skill, and she glides past people. And she's quite, she's got quite um, got a presence to her where she can be quite physical and 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 really make herself known. Um, the only other player I know that can do that is Millie Bright, um, but obviously in different different ways. Um, Kirsty Hansen down the wing again. Kenza Dali, um, our, our, our superstar, is back from injury. Our magician, uh, think, yeah. our magician is back. Uh, I think she's going to be crafting a few things, but also Ebony Salmon's hit a run of form, and Rach Daly is our reliable. So I think we've got a lot of threats, and also the way that we're playing at the moment, we, we're playing with some of our deep players coming forward. So Mas Pacheco and Sarah Mailing as well. In fact, it's just all of them. All of them are going to be a threat. But uh, I, I think it's going to be down the wings are going to be where we're going to be our most deadly. And it's whether Everton can can handle that. And then Rach Daly in the middle picking up any loose balls. Um, how nice is it to say that all of them are a threat? That's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We just, we just need a, a Daphne to score now, don't we? We do, yeah. I was going to say, Rach can go in goal because uh, we saw that goal line clearance and then we'll get Daphne out. <laughs> Absolutely. We got, we got a bet on, we did a, I did a tweet saying that um, she's won the golden boot, so she's going for the golden glove now to get the full compliment. So, yeah, she can go and go and we'll put Daphne up front. Talking of full compliments, I heard the stat the other day that Evan is the only team that Rachel Daly hasn't scored against in the WSL. Oh, really? That was, that was my card, that man who gave me that one. Um, he, he mentioned it. He mentioned it last week, and I thought, why have you just said that? And why have I just said this up down on here as well? Because I've just <laughs> <laughs> it's nailed on now, isn't it? Just get all all your money, put it on there. Not the yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think it's going to be a really tight game because we've got two teams that are fighting, that are passionate for it, that are 
Like, because Everton, like you said, they've got something to prove, haven't they? And they've got to come out and, you know, get get that win and form back. And then for Villa, it's that confidence of, well, we're on a, we're on a good run. Um, you know, we don't want to lose it. So let's have some quick predictions, Peter, what you're thinking. I hate this because I, I always get it wrong. So I'm just going to... Um... I'm going to go with my head and I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's going to be 1-1. Um, I think Villa will take a lead early and then we'll rally and get a goal back and it'll end up 1-1. I think that, that's that's all I'm going to go. Megan Finnegan to get another goal. Our superstar at the back. And probably Kenza Daly to score for Villa because did, did, you know, isn't it crazy how some players just totally suit the side? Because Kenza really struggled when she was Everton. And, we, and there are so many... Former Everton players in that Villa side, for example, Dan Turner, another player who we absolutely love, Alicia Lehman, um, obviously Kenza, Shani Boyclaw, who was there last season, she obviously left now. But like, yeah. but Kenza just didn't quite work at Everton. But I think to be fair to Kenza, she was in that stage. You know, you know, I was talking about like that time when we had three managers in one season. She was bang in the middle of all that happening. So, I, you know, I, I kind of felt for Kenza because I think that she was one of the players in particular who needed that stability around her. So I'm glad to see that she's doing well mm-hmm. with Villa. But yeah, one more is the answer. <laughs> no, I can, yeah, I can, I can see it being one one. It's going to be tight, Lindsay. What do you reckon? I don't know. I've got, I've got two in my head. One is a three-one win to Villa, but, <laughs> but, don't worry. <laughs> Part of me is also saying two-two because we aren't mm. clicking yet. We are shipping goals, and Everton have got a threat in them and we've got a mistake in us. So I think it'll be tight and somebody will go 2-1, two, 2-0 two, two, up and then it'll get clawed back. So I, I don't really know which way to sit on the fence. Um, but I think it'll be, there'll be lots of goals. Yeah, I think it might be like another West Ham late winner, 92nd minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I've that it's. I think that's... That's the harshest when that happens right at the end, isn't it? You managed to fight off for that long. I remember because um, I grew up Sport and Sunderland, um, still do in the women's, and they held off Durham right until the last couple of minutes and then they equalised. And then because it was Conti Cup, it went to penalties and then Durham won on penalties. I was like, oh, it's just... It's oh, the best it's way horrible. to win, but it's the worst way to lose, isn't it? It's horrible. Yeah. yeah best way absolutely. to say it's the best, the absolute best way to win a game, but it's still... It's, it's horrendous when it goes against you, and as an Evertonian, it more like more <laughs> more often not goes against us. So, <laughs> so I'm used to it again. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be a good one for both fans, but also for the neutral as well. I think I think it's going to be really mm. a really tight one. And something else, um, me and Lindsay have been talking about is kind of all the international breaks that have been happening because it feels like it was the World Cup. They were back for a couple, then they were away again, back for a couple. And, of course, next week, uh, Lionesses are at Wembley. Are you going down? No, I won't be going down to, to Wembley. I, I obviously went to a load of the uh, the Euros games when, when, when they were over here. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I won't be going down to, to Wembley for that. I'll be honest with you, the international breaks really annoy me. The amount of That's them. what I was going to ask you. How do you feel yeah. about kind of how often they are? I mean, it's disruptive, isn't it? So it's so hard to get any kind of fluidity with 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 how you're playing and and players. It's so hard to even 
you know, even plan ahead for for a manager if your players are going away. If you've got a, a number of internationals away on international duty every three or four weeks, which it seems to be at the moment, um, it just seems totally unsustainable to me. And when you look at the amount of injuries that that, that are occurring as well, I don't think it's any coincidence that, that so many of these players end up picking, ser- picking up serious injuries because they just don't get a break. Um, yeah. And I just think that, you know, people talk about fixture congestion and things like that. The simple option is just to reduce the amount of international games or rotate the, you know, rotate the squads a little bit better or there's got to be a, a better solution than these players constantly having to travel and go away and then coming back. Claire Wheeler, for example, she was away with Australia. I think she got back on the Friday and played on the Sunday after flying from Australia. Can't be can't be any good for her whatsoever. But if you don't have to squad the players like some of the top teams where they've got, like you said before, 25, 30 international players, how how are you meant to compete without actually just throwing players in when they probably shouldn't be? I I, I think it's something that needs to be looked at and I think it's something which um which needs to be addressed and 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 you know they need to take serious have a have a serious think about how many you know whether they want it domestically or if they just want to have internationals because it kind of feels to me a bit like the domestic league almost comes across as a feeder league for the international teams which i don't think it should be no and it's you'd think they'd have maybe kind of one one longer break if that's what they needed to but the fact that it's been two smaller segmented ones know when Villa were in um, quite a rut at the beginning and it was the international break it was a half of you wanted the international break for kind of a breather a regroup a kind of a really big think about well what's going wrong what can we do but then the other half is um, like you said before get out the pitch prove everyone wrong you know shut the critics up yeah Lindsay what do you think that there's another international break so soon it frustrates me because of like we we're saying it's almost like who's a priority? Is it the club matches that are a priority or is it the internationals that are the priority? And it's surely playing, um, like Anna Patton said in an interview recently, um, you should focus on your club football and then the internationals come as a benefit for being good. But then it's almost like the internationals are a punishment because you're not get well, she didn't say this bit, but I'm saying this bit, uh, but it's like the internationals are punishment because... You do well at your club level and then you get selected for your country, which you're never going to say no to. And then you don't get any rest time, you don't get any downtime, you don't get any recovery time and you're travelling all over the place and it's just not fair. And you also you can't get in a rhythm and it's like, who, who is your team? Is it a club that's your team or the international that's your team? Because there's some players in the last 12 months that's played more minutes for their country than they have for their club and Simone McGill's one of them and it's just like how's that fair on the players and surely if the clubs are paying their, their main wages then they should be getting the best out of the players rather than picking them up when they come back from international duty with injury look at Millie Bright um, she's had to come out of the Lioness camp um, and it's just and Emma Hayes did ring fencer to try and get a fit and it's like it's just not fair on these players. It just—it's almost like they're they're pushing them to the ground and working to the ground. And it might work for the men's game, but even the men seem to get more of a break than the women do. And yet, the men's league has got more games in it. And it's so—it baffles me. But something needs to give because when we had COVID hit, that was the first time some of the players had had a break in in years. And and that was the first time they had. So I think they just need like a complete shutdown of a month or six weeks, even if they train like 
lightly to keep their fitness levels up, but just give them a break. You know, put them on the beach for two weeks, give them that break, that downtime, because it must be bad for their mental health. Quite a few players have come out and said it's been quite mentally tough and quite a few see um, kind of therapists and stuff now, don't they, to kind of talk through and make sense of everything that's going on because it is so hard. And then speaking of Chelsea, you add Champions League into the mix. Um, and what was it that played, played Wednesday and came back early Thursday morning or played Thursday, came back Friday and then played on the Saturday and it's like, well, who's looking at fixtures? Who's looking at scheduling? Who's like, it seems like sort your scheduling out, sort your fixtures <laughs> and just put, put the players back. So, yeah, so Peter, are you coming on Sunday? So Sunday is a bit of a sore point for me because I was ready to go there. I was supposed to be going. Um, yeah. But because of everything that's gone on with Everton Football Club as a, as a whole this week, I'm actually going to be stuck at Goodison uh, to hand out flyers. Uh, to you know, we're doing a big protest against the Premier League, so I've actually volunteered to do that, which is uh, pretty devastating for me, to be honest with you. Um, and I just don't think I can. I've tried to figure out a way to do both, but it's impossible. It's too you know, it's too far to travel. I won't be able to to get back in time. So I'll be um, a number of our, of our supporters club will, will be going. Uh, Julie Making, who runs our supporters club, will be there. Uh, Fiona, Meg. Um, a number of others, uh, Amy as well. Amy will be the loudest person in that crowd, is, is all I can describe <laughs> as. She's absolutely brilliant. She'll have two flags, she'll be waving them for the whole game. Um, she'll be singing every song at, at the top of her lungs. So, um, yeah, it's, she'll make up for any lost noise with me not being there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a real sort of um, just to give you an idea of just how much I think this has impacted us as Evertonians this week. Um, I think it is the knock-on effect which is which is felt the most in terms of because because of the situation the club's found itself in over the last few years due to a lot of mismanagement at the top. I think the Everton fans have made it very clear over the last few years what we felt about the running of the club. And it feels like a real kick in the teeth for us to then be the ones who, let's be honest, get punished. Because a points deduction doesn't do anything for the people who, who sit in a boardroom or the people who've left now, by the way. A lot of people... Um, you know the people who were actually making these decisions have all gone. They've all they've all left the club, other than the owner who's looking to sell. But unfortunately, the knock-on effect is is that anything that happens to the men's side has that knock-on effect onto our women's side. The fact that we're having reduced, you know, um, clearly having reduced funds, we're having to reduce the wage bill, uh, which is evident with the, with the signings we, we we're having to make. Um, the fact that Walton Hall Park isn't getting the investment that it, that we were promised um, kind of shows as well. That, that things are not going in the right direction. So it's massively important that we make that clear on Sunday at Goodison Park to show show our displeasure at, at the way Everton Football Club and its fans and its community have been treated. Because um, as I say, it's not just about the men's team. It's not just about the points deduction in the Premier League. It's, it could basically threaten the future of the entire club, um, including all of the community projects that Everton do as well with Everton and the community. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a huge, huge... Um, you know, it's a huge thing. If people if people think that Everton protesting is about sour grapes because we've been caught caught out doing something really wrong, it's far from that. I think it's just about the fact that the, the punishment seems overzealous and unjust compared to how other clubs have maybe behaved over the last few years and, and seem to have gotten away with a hell of a lot worse than um, you know, over overpaying because of a payment for a stadium. Is that is yeah. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> yeah, I- 
Well, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, because I was thinking it's kind of the straw that kind of brought the camels back, isn't it? It's maybe doesn't for a while, and then this has happened. It's like right, you know, we we need to get our voices heard. You know, as fans, again, all of the revenue, all of the everything um, that goes into a club. Um, because Lindsay, you wanted to ask about that, didn't you? I was just going to say that I, I agree. I think um, the whole Everton thing, it's not, it does seem one rule for one, one rule for another. And it's such a shame that it's happened to a club that can't absorb the punishment in the severity that's been given as easily as, as some of the other clubs that are just a law unto themselves. And it will really destroy the core of, of the club. And I don't want to see that happen to any club. Um, and I'm just upset that through honesty and transparency, you guys have been punished when there's other teams that are out there doing a lot of underhand stuff and it, it's just been ignored completely. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think as well, when, when you look at Aston Villa in particular as well, fantastic club, a, a club who I always sort of compare Everton to in terms of, you know, a club with a fantastic history, fantastic fan base, um, really loyal supporters, supporters who've been through a lot, supporters who've, bad, who've had bad owners in the past as well and managed to get through it. Um, so I always look at teams like Villa and, and I always think that, you know, Aston Villa are one of the teams that epitomises what English football should be, in my opinion. Um, that goes across the board um, in, in the men's game and the women's game, obviously. And and when I see the behaviours of other clubs, um, it's, it, and they, it's when I see... Other clubs who, for example, when six teams try to break away and, and go into a Super League, create a Super League and basically yeah. destroy the fabric of English football as we know it, and they ended up basically getting away with it. They didn't get a points deduction. They didn't get a... Uh, they, they got a £3 million fine each, I think it was. It's nothing. It's dropping the ocean for them. It's nothing. Pennies. Um, and I just feel that the likes, of, the, the likes of us, the likes of Aston Villa, West Ham, another one, um, you know, we're teams who are actually part of the very fabric of football in this country, but but at the same time, I feel like we're the type of teams who are vulnerable because we might have the audacity to try and challenge that sort of top elite um, that seems to have been designated by the people at the very top of the league or leagues, I should say, because um, it's a trend which I think as well, um, it, it, it's kind of mirrored in, in the women's game to an extent as well. When you see the same team sort of at the top towards the, the top end as well and you start talking about how do you make it fair how do you get a level playing field how can you really compete what do you need to do to really compete in the, in the wsl the same way that you know what can you do to compete in the premier league and the answer is money yeah. unfortunately money seems to be the thing that talks loudest and the thing that gets things done and, and unfortunately um if you don't have it you don't get away with anything yeah and it's the well in WSL especially it's kind of like the top four and the bottom eight, isn't it? Like because mm -hmm. there's such a gap yeah. in between. And you think you know Bristol when they came up, everyone kind of wrote them off, didn't they? They were like, oh, they've got fire, they've got passion, but eh, it's Bristol. But actually, mm. they you know they nearly got Arsenal the other night. I mean, like in the league and in the cup. And you just think, you know, don't rule any club out on kind of what you think, what you know, and. Um, don't let the bigger clubs kind of get get a buy um, just just because of the name and just because of who they are. Um, but yeah, we wish you all the best of luck on Sunday. Um, <laughs> you're right, you're making a fantastic point, making a fantastic stand, um, and it, and it needs to be done, doesn't it? Because they can't keep getting away with it.
Mm. Well, I think that's it. And but but again, it's 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 the the flip side of it as well. Is the is that that I want to be like I I don't know to put it for for me through all of the times over the last few seasons where Everton Football Club has been through the ringer in terms of everything to do with ownership and everything, the one sort of shining light that I've had um, is going to Walton Hall Park and, and, and watching watching our women's side and watching them players fight for our badge and fight for that shirt. And it's something which I, you know, will always appreciate because I think that they're a team who kind of epitomise what I want to see in an Everton side. Um, and it's just a shame that I won't be able to go to this game that I was looking forward to um, because of things that are kind of out of our control. It's something that, that needs to be done. We need we need to make a stand. Um, yeah. So it's a shame. But yeah. It is yeah. What it is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It needs to be done. Um, and at least you know that you would have been there and you will be sporting and you can watch it on catch up. You can get it. And then the reverse fixture, um, hopefully, um, I, I will be coming to that one. We've got a little presentation for Simone McGill as well when she comes. Oh, have you? Oh, amazing. Yeah. So I'll give you a shout when that's happening. Oh, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> been yeah. in my house for about a year. <laughs> <laughs> We've got her a little something, but it's been it's literally been in my house for like the past year because obviously she got injured. So um yeah, looking forward to the return leg. Uh that no, that will be fantastic. Um and hopefully I will get to see Martina Pia, Martina Piamonte um up close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really that's what I was looking forward to on Sunday uh, getting to see her finally but uh, <laughs> well, there we go um, but yeah so just um, finally then how so we've talked about kind of the start to the season the impact kind of especially things like money and how do you want the club to grow in the future because I know you talk about Walton Hall Park getting more improvements and things like that but what's going to really make Everton a team to really compete and challenge for those higher positions, do you think? Well, I think I think first of all, um, as much as we may grumble a little bit about some of the, some of the um, some of the playing style, I think it's important that we stick to the manager. I think we need to back the manager. I think we need to give him the funds to be able to bring in the players that he wants, um, and we need to have patience. I think patience is key for Everton at the moment, and I think that's the thing that's going to set us up for, for long term. Um, success is that we have to be patient. We have one of the youngest sides in the in the WSL on average, um, and I, and I think that Everton is a fantastic place for young players to come and develop as footballers. And I just think that we need to, as I say, show that little bit of patience and hopefully bring those players up and bring those players through. Um, and I think that's a good way that we can compete without sort of overstretching ourselves financially. But certainly, the manager needs backing, and like like you know, you've touched on Walton Hill Park. Um, Developing that properly and and going you know going through with the plans that, that the club has spoken about in terms of building two two other stands, not just the one. I think that that is is crucial as well for the future of the club um, to be able to maximise revenue and also to to house all of the the supporters who want to go there. So yeah, it's kind of a, a double edged sword. We need to we need to do we need to attack it on all fronts. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds brilliant. And same for Escott as well. Do you think Lindsay? Um, that kind of. They most women's grounds, um, because um Sunderland's ground, Eppleton, is very similar to Walton Hall Park Park, I think. There's only kind of one stand and you can just kind of go all the way around it. And um again, it's a lovely um atmosphere, but um you just think, right, okay, if we're growing the women's game, we know we're getting more people in, let's provide for them and let's show them kind of what this what this club means. Um and Lindsay, do you reckon we need um Bescott upgrades? Yeah, I think we're starting to outgrow 
the Vescott, when we first went there, we were getting gates of 500, 1,000, and now we're consistently getting three, 4,000 upwards. Mm. And we're now starting to fill out three stands of the stadium that um, we're allowed to buy in. And I think that that is a real testament to the Lionesses and what they brought home with the Euros mm. and the growth of the game. But I think if we invest in the... In, in the stewarding, um, in the quality of stewarding, the resources that we've got there, the parking, because parking isn't always a nightmare around there, um, but also in the C- uh, CCTV cameras, the cameras that they've got for the recording, because then the players will get better feedback on, on their performance in line with the statistics that they've got on their little um, crop top things, their little GPS in the back. And I think it will really help them get their quality up I can't get my words out today I don't know what's happening um, it'll help them um, but I think we kind of need a ground that's our own so what we'll do Peter uh, we'll wrap that up then as everything is going here wire um, so thank you very much for coming on it's been absolutely lovely um, best of luck for Sunday um, let us know how it goes but yeah hopefully um, I was going to say we can't really get a result that we both won really can we because we both want to win um, but we'll take a draw if it if it comes down to it we can get together and um, from now till the end of the season do our best to relegate West Ham instead of either of us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll let uh, Carla and Brian know uh, that, that's the that's the game plan yeah, that's, and, uh, that's the and game plan both of us get a point on Sunday then we can crack on with uh, relegating one of the other teams yeah Sounds hard. <laughs> no, that sounds perfect to me. Um, but yeah, uh, and hopefully uh, you can get one again for Richmond Fisher, and hopefully we'll get to get to say hello when when that happens. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and again, just about any Villa fans, you know, when we do play at Watmore Park, make sure you get down there as well. Um, make sure you get up even and uh and again we've actually got some some fans of other clubs who actually come for random games. Anyway, we've got a, a group of Man City fans who come to Walton Park like regularly now just to come and watch oh, really? Everton and come and, come and join in with us so again anyone's more than welcome if you want to come and have a visit um yeah just just turn up anytime perfect no selling it well thank you very much <laughs> well have a lovely rest of your weekend thank you very much thank you to everyone for watching slash listening hope this turns out okay uh god knows what video and audio we've got um <laughs> so thank you very much and we'll see everyone next time goodbye